Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that we may live biblically as disciples of your Son, our Saviour and Lord, Jesus. Amen. Well, a Welshman, aged 58 years old, has suddenly had his life changed, as you may have heard. Living in Hereford, he won the £71 million euro lottery and was a very happy man, aid good child. Now, I heard the other day that uh, to give them perspective of what £71 million actually looks like, is if you translate a million pounds into a million seconds, a million seconds takes you through 12 days. That's a million. So if you multiply that by 71, you've got 852 days. It's almost three years of spending one pound every second of day and night, of night and day, of day and night, for nearly three years. That's a lot of money. It's no wonder he's so happy. And he wants, he said, he wants to buy a new house with a jacuzzi and a few staff, as he put it, dream holidays uh, to places such as the Grand Canyon and the pyramids, and who can blame him? He's part of a culture where to spend money on what we all imagine will make us happy uh, is just the norm. But of course, Jesus provokes people and provoked people then and provoked people now to reimagine what the source of real happiness is. And we heard in Acts 20 those words that Paul had remembered of what Jesus said. They're not listed in the Gospels, but he'd remembered that the words of Jesus that rung in his ears, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, there's more happiness, inner, inner lasting happiness in giving than receiving. Because that word uh, happiness is the word used in the Good News Bible to translate blessed. You know, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They find true happiness. They are living under God's blessing when they are living a life that Jesus describes as a true life of being for others. So, what we're going to be thinking about today is how Jesus describes being a disciple. Being a disciple means, and in particular, we're going to consider what it means to be a disciple in relation to giving, and I mean financial giving, because Jesus t teaches more about money almost than any other subject in the whole of his teaching. And there are a number of verses from the Bible that shed light on this. Because giving biblically is a sign of living biblically. 
And we want to be disciples who are following Christ and the words of Scripture, basing our life on that, and doing that with a sense of great joy and thanksgiving. And giving is a wonderful part of that, as many, many of you uh, know only too well. And our church is full of people who find great joy in giving, not only financially, but also in many other ways. But the envelopes you've been given, if you haven't had them already, contain some information about how we can make the most of what we give uh, in our worship of God as disciples of Christ that will take forward the life of his church and bless many other people. All that we give in our giving to, through the church, 10% of that, a tithe, of course, is given to mission organizations, the six that we have particularly nominated, that blesses them, enables them to grow as well. So let's look at some very simple principles of Christian giving, of discipleship. First of all, Jesus says that the disciples of Jesus are those who make giving to God a first priority. The principle of the, the first fruits was written right the way through the Old Testament and in the New. The priority was not to think, what can I give out of what I've got left over and what I can spare? It was always to say, now this is what I have. This is how many crops I've had this harvest. This is how much food I have. This is how much wealth I've, been, I've inherited. Or this is what I have earned this month. And the principle is to say, out of that, I'm going to set the first 10% aside. That is my offering to God. And out of the rest, I will live because that's how much God has given me to live out of. That's the first principle. That's a biblical principle of giving. The Bible emphasizes that time and time again, as the first and the best of all we have, we offer to the Lord. So it's a priority. Secondly, disciples of Jesus are those who are prayerful about their giving. They recognize that giving is an act of worship. That's why we have our giving in church as something that we want to offer to God and we bring up and we recognize, Lord, all things come from you and of your own do we give you. It's part of our expression of thanksgiving and praise, a response to God's goodness to us. And this is the key to what Jesus was saying in the passage in Mark's Gospel. When he challenges this rich man that if you really want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you must sell everything you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. Now I'm very thankful <laughs> that Jesus does not apply this to everybody. He doesn't imply, imply, therefore, he doesn't say to other people they have to sell everything they have and give it all to the poor. But rather, for this man, there was one thing that he lacked, or one attitude that was holding him back 
from truly following Jesus. And it was that attitude of holding on to what he had, to his possessions. Because the recognition in the Old Testament and the New is that everything comes from God. In other words, all that we have is God's. And so when Jesus said in other parts of the scriptures, surrender everything, surrender yourselves, deny yourselves and come and follow me. He's saying basically, you want to know how much to give? The answer is everything. Everything, the whole lot. And then you can exercise your wisdom and judgment as to how you decide and you feel is right to allocate the money that you've entrusted into God's hands. In other words, we don't own any of the stuff in our bank or our wallets or our purses. We don't own it, according to the scriptures. God owns it all. But we are involved in stewarding that money for his glory and for the sake of his kingdom. So we just decide, well, I'm going to use that on our housekeeping. I'm going to use that for paying my bills. I'm going to use that to pay the mortgage. I'm going to use this to give to Mozambique or Malawi or wherever we want to give. I'm going to use this to resource the work of the church that I'm a member of. So it's up to us to steward that money wisely and prayerfully. One of our values being prayerful in all that we do. In that prayerfulness, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, each person should give what they have decided in their hearts to give and not reluctantly or under compulsion. Each person should give what they have decided in their hearts, not just their heads. And when the Bible talks about hearts, it's about the inner being, it's the, the will, it's the place where we meet with God. So it's under God's guidance that we are able to give and we're prompted to give and not reluctantly or under compulsion. Now, I wonder when I started to talk about giving, people said, there we go, the vicar's asking for money again. Wanted to raise eyebrows I caught, but the fact is that the vicar in this parish never asks for your money, never has and never will. It is not my place to ask people to give money. I just want to make that 100% clear. All that I've ever done and all that I ever will do is to say what the biblical principles of giving are and say it is entirely up to you and to me to respond to that. There is no compulsion. If you don't want to give anything at all, then that's entirely up to you and between you and God. It's your decision that you've done prayerfully and planned it carefully. You've come to that decision. I respect that. And some people just aren't in a position to do anything other than just survive 
with what they have. But the principle of first fruits still apply. That even if our income is £10 a week, the principle that we offer the first part of that, maybe 10%, maybe less than that, maybe 5%, maybe 1%, we still want to honour God with the money that we have. And so therefore, the teaching is that we give proportionately. On the first day of the week, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with their income. In keeping with their income. So nowhere does Paul says about how much people should give. He always talks about a percentage. Set aside an amount of money in keeping with their income. So that's the key to biblical giving. It's not that we ask how much do I give? Is it £10, £20, £50? It's how much, what percentage of what I receive am I going to set aside first before I live on the rest. Does that make sense? This is very familiar to many of you, but I just want to reiterate it because we don't talk about giving very much because everybody thinks the vicar's asking for money, which I'm not. (laughs) Therefore, it's proportionate and it needs to be planned. Sometimes it can be sacrificial. And Paul talks... Uh, about the giving of the Macedonian believers, that out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, he says, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. The biblical giving is often sacrificial giving. But it's also pleasurable. It is also a joy to give. God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, God loves it when people are filled with joy as they give financially to others. There is a sense in which we're sharing in the grace of giving, to use another phrase that Paul uses. And we give with open hands out of gratitude to our open-handed God. So you recognise that it's all his. It's a great joy in finding that pleasure of being able to express our thanks and praise to God through our giving. And of course it has a great purpose. In that money is used wisely, it's used effectively to bless others. Because there's more blessing in giving than there is in receiving. That's how God wants us to live. And it's a fantastic thing to be able to do. And our friend Aid, who's won those £71 million, our prayer for him is that he might discover that real happiness, real happiness will come into his life long term when he is able to say to the press, I'm going to give half my money to bless those people who have been devastated in the floods. I'm going to give three million to set up a charity to enable people who have been victims of child abuse to be hurt and nurtured and loved, accepted. In that grace of giving, he will share. And if he becomes a disciple of Jesus, then who knows 
how his life could be transformed. So, the envelope that you have been given is an opportunity to participate in a way of giving that really enables us as a church to find an effective means to uh, increase the, effect, the way that you as people are giving and enable the uh, work of the gift aid secretary to be reduced and to maximize all that is given through the church. That applies particularly only really to those who are giving through the planned giving scheme, either with envelopes or through direct debits or standing orders as it is at the moment. But not everybody does that. There are about 140 people in this church, either individuals or couples, who give in that planned giving way. Everybody else is giving in other ways. It might be cash on the plate, it might be through um, things that are done in, in one-off gifts in different ways. I don't know exactly what. Nobody knows. And it's right that nobody knows. Nobody knows what is given in this church apart from the treasurer and the bookkeeper who keeps an account of it. Nobody knows what's given. But I do know who's in the planned giving scheme and who isn't. And I want to encourage everybody, and I'm not asking you to give, I'm encouraging everybody to be part of this planned giving scheme so that you can be a disciple of Jesus who lives prayerfully and planning their giving, making that a priority in all that you do, and honouring God with what you have. We have 140 in the scheme. There are over 300 members of the church. I just can only imagine the impact that that could have on the way in which we can bless others through Christ Church if everybody, together as a team, bought into was participating in that planned giving scheme. We are one church united in Christ. We're not a series of individuals. We're people who are together seeking to serve the Lord. One body. And the call of God is for us to unite together in the grace of giving and to bless others with the blessings we've received. And do you know what? The joy that comes from that will just be infectious. For it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen.